Thanks for tuning in to the Bethany Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message helps you grow in your faith with Christ. If you'd like to find out more about what's going on at Bethany or GIF, you can visit us online at bethanysite.com or download our mobile app. Hello, Bethany. It's so good to see everyone, and if you've turned online, we want to welcome you to worship, and it's so good to uh, come before you and be able to worship and study God's Word. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 16, we're going to be looking at John chapter 16, verse 33. We're starting this new series called Take Heart, and we're just starting um, in John. We've been in the series of John for a long time, and we break it up a little bit, so... Uh, we're coming back from an Old Testament series and into Take Heart. And uh, I want you to know that uh, <clears throat> I want to invite you to something I think is really important. Uh, this weekend, we're having our uh, uh, growth track. We're having step three, which is um, the idea of discovering your design, the way that God's made you and how you fit into the church. Well, many times we call it the body of Christ and uh, your your personality, your experiences, your heart, your spiritual gifts, and how God uh, can use that. And it's an awesome one, and it has the most important subject uh, that we talk about, and that's you. And people really are interested in themselves, so it just kind of reveals how God's made you and created you, and we'd love for you to come to that. And you don't have to go to step one and step two. I'm the senior pastor, and I'm waving all of you so that you can just come and give me a special grace to come uh, to that. And we provide lunch and child care, and we'd love to have you come to that. It starts after the second service uh, on Sunday. And then uh, step four is the week after that. Step four is how to make an impact for the kingdom of God, how to have your feet shod with the uh, gospel of peace, be able to share the gospel with other people, and we kind of teach it like how to tell people about Jesus without being a jerk, you know, and it's kind of fun to learn that, but we also have added another piece, and that's how to share the Lord Jesus Christ with your child or grandchild. And so again, you don't have to go to any of the other steps. We'd love to have you come to that and learn that. It's really important. So anyway, let's look at John 16:33. I'm going to be uh, answering the question, how do you have peace in this world? How do you have peace in this world? And we've been doing huge pieces of scripture in the last series, uh, stories and reading whole chapters in the Old Testament. Uh, tonight, we're going to just go down to one verse and use that as an introduction to John chapter 16. Let me read to you John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we have this app uh, that you can uh, jump onto and it gives you the sermon notes. And uh, as an introduction, I just want to give you that first sentence. I've told you these things so that, and the things that he's been telling them started back in chapter 14. That was all the way back last spring that we were looking at that. And Jesus is having his uh, last night, you know, before he goes to trial and goes to the cross. And so he wants his disciples to know these really important things. So chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, he's telling them all these things. And so then he says, I've told you all these things so that, and now he's going to tell them, you know, the, the reason that he's been telling them that. And then chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples, one of the greatest prayers ever prayed. So we'll be looking at that 
later next year, Lord willing. So uh, uh, I want to start with uh, this outline that I have, and I, I want to preach this verse so that you never, ever forget it in your lifetime. I want it so ingrained in your heart and your mind. If I can preach it just half as good as Jesus said it, you will never forget this verse. And whenever I take one verse and start to, you know, just tear it apart and to just kind of soak in it, one of the things I do is try to pick out a kind of a word for each phrase. So I have four words I'm going to give you. This is the outline. And we'll go a little bit slower, but the outline is peace, trouble, heart, overcome. Peace, trouble, heart, overcome. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So number one is peace. And Jesus says, in me you may have peace. And the word peace is the idea of harmony and tranquility and serenity and calm and stillness. And we have peace in Christ. And the other thing is, is it comes from, you know, the, this is uh, the New Testament written in Greek. But in the Old Testament, uh, the, the word for peace is shalom. And shalom means more than just the stoppage of war. It means the idea of completeness and soundness and well-being. And a shalom peace is the idea that you have an unanxious presence. And everyone else is losing their heads, but you are calm. Because you have this peace. And I want that peace for every one of us. And Jesus says, in me, you may have this peace. And I want you to know that you may have, uh, that may have is a verb. And that verb uh, is in the subjective mood. Now, a lot of you are going, oh, my goodness, this is an English class. But the subjective mood is the idea that it points to the possibility that you can have peace. That you and I can have peace. It doesn't mean that we will have peace, but we may have peace. And Jesus is offering it to his uh, disciples. And the verse beforehand, he says, you guys are going to all run away. You're going to fall away from you guys are going to totally fail. Don't worry about it. I'll be alone, but I won't be alone because I'm with my father. But I want you to know you may have peace in me. So in Christ, we can have peace. So the first thing, if I talked about the peace, is the idea that we have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, and justified, an easy way to remember it is, just as if I'd never sinned. Justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of people that don't have peace because they're worried about standing before God. And they're worried about being judged. And they don't have peace because of their past or because of regrets or the things that they've done. And the most wonderful thing, when Jesus went on the cross and died for our sins and came out of the grave alive, he made peace for us with God. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that idea of being in, uh, I don't know if you noticed today was colder. How many noticed it was colder today? And if you were inside your house and you stepped out into the, the front yard, it was cold. 
and you were outside. But if you step back inside, you were inside your house. And the most important thing to realize is that you may be outside and you may know about church and you may have done things that are churchy. You may have gotten baptized or gone to Sunday school or you, maybe your grandfather was a pastor. But the one thing is that you're looking at the kingdom of God from outside. And it, to be inside, to be in Christ, is to take one small step to be in Christ. Another thing about uh, uh, the peace of Christ, the peace that we have with him, is that Jesus himself is the peace. Ephesians 2, verse 14 and verse 17 says, For Jesus himself is our peace. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you had Christianese all your life and you were close all the time and Jesus died for you and you can be saved. But also there's people that they are so far away from God that when they start their spiritual journey, they feel lost and they are so far away. If you looked at them when they were 18 or 19 or 25, you'd think that person will never come to Christ because they're so far away. But Jesus preaches peace to those who are far away and to those who are near because he is our peace. He is our peace. And then the peace that Jesus gives to us is Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I can't explain this, but this is the idea that there is a peace that you cannot comprehend, that surpasses understanding, but that we have this peace when we're going through things. And usually for North American Christians, it's when we're going through hard things that we have this, the peace of Christ. Elaine's mom is um, in hospice, and she's 95, and in December she turns 96, and her and Eldon, next, oh, this month, this month, uh, they turn, uh, their anniversary is 76 years of being married. You know, I just can't even hardly imagine it, 76 years, and uh, she is in hospice and they're in assisted living, but it's more like an independent assisted living. So he's in the back bedroom. She's in the living room. She's on a hospital bed. You know, it's kind of dire. And then, then Eldon, her, Elaine's dad, uh, got COVID. And so now he has COVID and that, and then they, the people can't come in. And it, it's just gone from bad to worse, and it's terrible and awful. And Elaine's been on the phone talking with her dad and talking with her dad and talking with her dad. And I want you to know, in the midst of that, her dad is a wonderful Christian. He's had peace that passes understanding. And Elaine, in the midst of that, has had peace that passes understanding. And the conversation that she has with uh, her dad and with her sister and with a niece and the way she talks to all these ones, you know, is so interesting to me that I actually mute football and listen to her conversations. And then she comes in and says, you want me to update you? I said, no, I'm all updated. I was listening in, you know. You were listening to my phone calls? Yeah, they were wonderful. You're doing a great job, honey, you know. If you need any coaching, just let me know. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. So uh, there's this peace that we may have, we can have, but you have to be in Christ. So number two is trouble. And trouble, I don't know if you know it or not, but trouble is in this world. And uh, Jesus is uh, giving these wonderful things, you know, that you can have this peace. But I also want you to know that, that in this world, you will have trouble. 
And the word for trouble that's used there is the idea of tribulation. In fact, a couple of, place, couple of uh, translations use the word tribulation. In this world, there'll be tribulation, and it means distress and affliction. It's the idea of being pressed. It's the idea of being vexed and cares and woes and problems and difficulties and messes and dangers and trials and fret and anxiety and stress and disturbances and strife and hassles and breakdowns. And I could have gone a lot more adjectives, but I want you to know, you know, this world is trouble and there always is trouble. And there's a lie out there. There's a lie, I think, that's from the very pit of hell that says, especially to North Americans, that if you hit the lotto, if you become a millionaire, if you get a copyright, you won't have trouble anymore. If you could just move to Montana and be isolated on a 900-acre ranch, if you could just get away and be protected, you know, you won't have trouble, and it's a lie. And many times, even Christians will believe that, that there is something called no trouble, and there isn't. Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. And now, let me give you another English lesson. The word that's used there, will have, is not the mood of the one that we talked about, the subjective mood. This is the indicative mood, which means it is describing something that is real and actual. And you're going to have real trouble. And it's opposed to the idea of possibly having trouble or something you do as a contingency for trouble. No, you will have trouble. A great Star Wars theologian Yoda said, trouble you will have, (laughs) right? And there's no getting away from it. You will have trouble. But in Christ, we have peace. And so while the trouble is going all around us, we can have this peace that passes all understanding. And all through life, I have found that I'm either in trouble, I'm going into trouble, or I'm coming out of trouble. And so when people say, how are you doing, Pastor? And I say, good, I probably should add, but I'm in trouble. And there's trouble. And I can handle most of the time the big things. The big things I usually can handle. It's when I have several big things and then little things come up, like your car not starting, you know, or not being able to find your keys. You, all of a sudden, you lose your patience, you lose your, your temper, you lose your countenance, and, you know, and the little things drive you crazy. And I want you to know that you will have trouble. And every time something goes awry, you can just turn to someone that knows about this verse and say, trouble, trouble. Number three is heart. And I I love this. It says, uh, but take heart. And Jesus says, but take heart. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble. You're going to have lots of trouble, but take heart. And I love that uh, that conjective, that that but, you know, uh, that that junction that kind of holds things together. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. And it means... Uh, This wonderful thing of be courageous, have courage, cheer up, uh, be brave. And it is in the form of an imperative. 
He's, he's giving us an order. He's commanding us to be brave, to take heart. And I want to be someone who takes heart. I want someone that's courageous in the face of trouble. I want to be around people who are uh, courageous and take heart and buck up. And I, I love that. In fact, I love um, the movies. Ever since I was a kid, I loved the movies about war. And I don't like war, and I don't ever want to go to war, and I don't like us when we're in war, but I love movies about war, and I love the scenes where, like Lord of the Rings, or uh, when the, the, you, know, you have these guys with the armor and the swords and the shields, and they're standing there, and then the other team is coming, the other warriors are coming at them, and there's a whole line coming at them, and they're all ready, and the, the one guy who is in charge, you know, he is usually a little bit older, a little bit wiser, he's been through this before, and he says something like, hold, 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 now, okay, and so whenever you have something terrible happening, trouble, you know, just think about, you know, Jesus saying to you, hold, hold, be courageous, cheer up, take, take heart. In fact, there's, you know, numerous places in the New Testament where he says that. And one in particular is he's walking on the water. Jesus is amazing. He's walking on the water in the middle of the storm. I don't know how you do that, but, you know, he's probably going up over the waves, walking, you know, and then coming down and walking, you know. And the disciples are in this boat, and they're, they're going to drown. It's such a terrible storm. And they see this guy walking on the water, and they think they see it's a ghost, and they're very frightened. It's very fearful. They're already in heightened fear because of the storm. And Jesus says to them the same exact word, courage. Be courageous. Have courage. Don't be afraid. Take heart. And I love that idea that we take heart. Even in the Old Testament, there's that idea. Psalms 27, 12. Wait for the Lord, Yahweh. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalms 31, 24. Be strong, take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. And this is the idea that we wait on the Lord, we hope in the Lord, we trust in the Lord, and we let him do it. And it's wonderful when God comes through. And we take heart. We buck up. And then number four is overcome. Remember, I'm giving you this outline that you never forget. You never forget this word. Peace, trouble, heart. And now this one, number four, overcome. I've told you this thing so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And the idea of overcome is this word that's been translated from Greek into the English, and we see it almost every day in our English language. And the word transliterated into English is Nike. I don't know if you've ever seen Nike tennis shoes and Nike commercials. And Nike is this word that means the idea of being a conqueror. It means to overcome, to prevail, to have victory. And Jesus says, I have had victory. I have overcome the world. I have prevailed against the world. And, and when he says the world, now that's kind of confusing because, you know, it has... Uh, in the New Testament, several different meanings. But here, when it talks about the world, the, the, the Greek word is cosmos. How many have ever heard of the word cosmos before? Almost everyone has. And those of you who haven't, I feel sorry for 
Just joking. So cosmos is this idea that doesn't mean uh, the orb that is going around the sun. It doesn't mean the created earth and the beautiful fall that we're having with all the colors. Uh, what it means is the idea of the world order in our world, uh, our violent world that we're in. It's the idea of the, the world order, the, the spirit of the age, the, the zeitgeist that's going on. And, and there's other places in the Bible that says that our enemy is the, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the world has a tendency to bring people down. And Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And that he has done by the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, there's some amazing things that happened. And if you and I were to sit down for having coffee, and we were at a coffee shop, and you asked me, Pastor George, I've always wondered what? are the things that Jesus did when he was on the cross. So here's the things that he did to overcome the world. First of all, by being our substitute and dying on the cross for you and I, he took all of our sin, all of our darkness, all of our guilt, and it was laid on him so that we don't have to go under judgment. He took the judgment. At the same time, he overcomes death when he's resurrected. So he, the cross is this amazing thing that happens and then the resurrection that overcomes death so we can have eternal life. The other thing that happens is that the evil one, the devil, Satan of old, is judged at the cross. Now he isn't destroyed there, but he's judged and he knows that his end is coming. And then the other thing that Jesus does when he dies on the cross is that his blood is shed for us so that, again, we have peace with God and we don't have to have any fear. Because in the world, fear is one of the main drivers. The main driver in our culture is fear. I don't know if you've been watching any of the political ads I am so sick and tired of them. And I get them on my phone, you know, they text me, and it just is such a bother, you know, and I always text back, I already voted, I already voted, and you are bothering me, stop bothering me. And I actually use the word bother, you are a bother, I've already voted. And then if they text me again, I said, I voted for your opponent, you know, so <laughs> I, I just find it so irritating. And then people just say the meanest things, you know, like, you know, this person, oh, and they're throwing mud at each other. And it just, you know, if that person gets in, you know, that our democracy will end. Our life as we know it will end. It's the most terrible thing. And, uh, you know, they'll get in and they'll raise your taxes. They will, you know, kill your children. They will do terrible things, you know. And each side is saying the most horrible things and it's fear fear, fear, and the news media has figured out the more they can be sensational about fear, 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 and it's just so scary, and like one of the things that can cause terrible fear is sharks. I don't know if sharks scare you, but if you see a shark movie, it's hard to go into the ocean because, you know, the sharks. And you know how few shark attacks there are? I mean, there's so few shark attacks. And you know how many uh, car accidents there are? 
And people get in their cars, get them and zoom out of the parking lot. And they have no fear whatsoever. And I want you to know that fear, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for us to have peace. And we don't have to have fear of death. We don't have to fear the grave. We don't have to fear judgment. That we are loved. And when Jesus died on the cross for us, the biggest thing that he demonstrates is that God so loved the world that he died for you and I. And he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And whether you know it or not, he loves you more than you can ever imagine. The old-time preachers, I didn't come up with this, but they always talked about, you know, one of the great symbols of Jesus' arms out on the cross is that he loves us this much. And he just wants to wrap his arms around us. He died for us. And there's something wonderful about this verse. Peace, trouble, heart, overcome. So much did Jesus overcome, 1 John 5, 4 and 5, that we can overcome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you confess that with your mouth, and ask him into your life, and confess your sins, you will be saved. And you can have peace. Amen? So this is what I want for you. I want you to have peace. I want you to know that in this world you're going to have trouble. I want you to take heart and be courageous. And I want you to overcome because Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Okay, I very rarely give homework, but here's homework this week, okay? I want you to read John 16. And we'll start back in uh, the first part of the chapter next week. But John 16 is a wonderful chapter. And there's some things that I want to bring out that are just so awesome in our daily walk. The other thing I wanted to do is uh, invite you uh, uh, to join me in uh, communion. Communion is where uh, many times we call it the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And that's where we remember, usually once a month, we remember that um, Jesus died for us. And Jesus invites everyone to come to the Lord's table. And uh, it is one of the most wonderful things about coming before and remembering that uh, the bread represents um, his body and the cup represents his blood. And uh, we're going to let you take it on your own when we sing this last song. Uh, you take it as you feel it, and we'll have a moment of silence. But let me just read uh, about uh, communion uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, to prepare our hearts, I'd like us to have just a moment of silent prayer as we just get really silent. And if you're, if 
you had just like the best week, you know, you just thank the Lord and thank him for the cross. And then if you've had a, a bummer of a week, you know, this is where you, you feel like you let him down. You did some stuff that you're not happy about. This is where you ask Jesus to forgive you. And one of the prayers that Jesus always says yes to, always, is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's go into quiet prayer.